Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. All right, hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Rob Grable from Vital Smart Shopper. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Here's the game plan. Uh, what we seek to do here on this show is, is challenge the status quo and, and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. That sound like something you'd like to help with? That's right up my alley. Looking forward to it. All right. So, so Rob, to start us off, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came from, from working for a major insurance carrier to launching you know, what is now the, the Vital Smart Shopper product. Absolutely. So I have about 15 years uh, of healthcare experience in, in various roles. So working with uh, major insurers in a number of different uh, areas and been exposed to a number of different parts of the business, sales, account management, strategic planning, uh, product development. So really had a good feel for what the end consumer was seeing and feeling when it came to their overall uh, health insurance and, and more importantly, the healthcare costs. So we were uh, handing out increases as costs continued to rise and mm-hmm. just believe that there had to be a different way. So if you're a, a small employer and you're running a coffee shop and your health insurance has went up 15%, that's a lot of cups of coffee just to cover that additional expense. And so realized that there had to be another way. And in doing some research, realized that part of the reason costs were going up is that the end consumer really had no way to understand what costs were. And without the right information tools and reason to pay attention, they were spending far more than they needed to. So part of what we have, in in my opinion, in the country is uh, not a health care problem. We have a health care cost problem. So our uh, program through Vitals called Vital Smart Shopper is focused really on helping employers and employees control those healthcare costs by becoming smarter, more informed healthcare consumers. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, you you just touched on this a little bit, but before before we get into the the Smart Shopper product or service, um, you know, I, I generally like to you know start these interviews at, at a higher level um, and and uh, talk about you know our healthcare system in general. You know, we we live in this this healthcare world where you know medical inflation is was rising at you know three to six times the the rate of inflation for other goods and services in our country and you know the the stock answer from you know consultants and brokers and carriers is well it's it's unit cost times utilization um, but w- <laughs> which you know we've been we've been saying for a while now but um, with all the advancements in technology that we see in all of all of these other industries it seems like healthcare and probably education are, are, are one of the few goods and services where, where we seemingly are not benefiting from any operational efficiencies that come with it. So, so tell me in your words, you know, what do you think is wrong with the healthcare system? And why do you think unit costs of healthcare continue to increase at such a high rate? Sure. It's a, it's a really good question. And so from my view, we have a really great healthcare system in terms of the overall care that we receive. Other people are coming to this country for uh, care because we're known as an innovative leader in providing healthcare services. But unlike other industries, you know what you're going to pay for that product or service or good before you walk in the door. So part of it truly is just not understanding what uh, goods or services within healthcare 
cost. And when you look at who's footed the bill historically over time, we've tried a number of different models. It was uh, HMOs, and that was going to control the cost. And that didn't work. And so we shifted, consumers shifted, they wanted more choices. So we shifted to PPO. And that really was kind of a wide open choice-based model uh, that didn't control cost. And then we saw a significant amount of consolidation. And really, in my opinion, the shift of uh, bargaining power shifting away from the insurance companies into the provider system. So the level of consolidation, the amount of hospital systems that were buying up independent docs, imaging centers, ambulatory surgery centers, growing that uh, that system to control the pie has has accelerated to a point where if you look in, in the market, which I'm in in New Hampshire, it's like 96% of the primary care physicians are employed by one of the hospital systems. And it's somewhere in the vicinity of about 75% of the specialists. So it's a foregone conclusion when you walk into the doctor's office where that provider is going to send you. And it, it's a little bit of a disproportionate advantage uh, to the healthcare system as opposed to the consumer. What's happened alongside that, though, is as costs have continued to shift and employers have continued to struggle with the cost of healthcare, more and more of that financial responsibility has been moved on to the actual uh, member. And I sure. say member because that's how we treat them. We treat them like they're members. We don't actually treat them like they're consumers, but that's what they need to be. And when you look at who's footing the bill, that member, that consumer has now become a payer in the healthcare system, where before a lot of those costs may have been hidden. They may be hidden in a benefit design or an error network, but more and more, the consumer is now asking to foot more of the bill. And so they are now a payer and quite candidly, a major payer of healthcare services in the system. So the, the power is shifting now, in my opinion, onto the consumer because they actually do now have an opportunity to find uh, out what things cost and question the system and really help to guide their own care. But that is a unnatural behavior for many of them. We have uh, Unfortunately, we have to undo a lot of bad learning because we we taught people that the cost was the copay. We didn't help them understand that there's always more to the other side of the equation, whether it's the insurance company, the employer that that's foot the bill. And so we have yeah. to undo that bad behavior and basically train people to stop being members and really be consumers of healthcare service. So that's really kind of my uh, higher level view of, of what's going on in the healthcare system these days. Well, I think that's a good summary. I I completely agree. We've we've disconnected people for the most part from the actual cost of of healthcare. And I think recently I read an article, um, you know, where somebody was comparing, you know, the traditional health insurance model as as giving employees a credit card, you know, that they could, <laughs> you know, really really go spend whatever they want, and you know, walk into a restaurant, and if the waiter suggests the steak and lobster, well, hey, you're getting the steak and lobster because you know, you're, you have no connection to the actual cost that the insurance carrier is going to pay. And after that, that the, you know, that the um, renewal increase that, you know, the employer is going to be stuck with. So I agree, there's that disconnect between the consumer and, and the actual cost of care. So, so tell us about the, the Smart Shopper product. You, you briefly, you know, covered it, but tell us about, you know, what, what problem is it attempting to solve here um, in the marketplace? Sure. So when you look at the data, and uh, Catalyst for Payment Reform did a, a study a couple of years ago that talked about uh, transparency uh, as an industry and, and tools in general being available. So the information is out there, and it's been out there for 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. The problem is not many people use it. So when, when you look at what Catalyst for Payment Reform had reported, that you have some of the vicinity of 90 plus percent of members with uh, health insurance actually have access to find out what select services cost, but they're only seeing about 
3% utilization. So just having a tool isn't going to get it done. You've got to bring something else that's able to really, as we talked about, retrain people to behave like consumers. Mm-hmm. So Smart Shopper, uh, in summary, is really a uh, transparency program where we encourage consumers to shop for healthcare services. We provide them in-network options. What we know, what you know, what more and more employers are realizing, but still consumers are early in the, the learning stages of this, is that where you go to have your service done is what drives the cost. So an MRI, whether it's in California or in the East Coast, could be $400, could be $4,000. And so what we do is engage consumers to shop, find out what things cost in the area, and then we give them choices. And we were the first in the country to combine that with a reward component. So you shop with us, we tell you what your options are. If you choose to go to that $400 high-quality MRI as opposed to the $4,000 hospital-based MRI, you just saved yourself, your insurance company, your employer, a significant amount of money depending on the benefit design. And so we share a portion of those savings back to the member by sending them a live check in the mail. So think of it as in a self-funded arrangement, it is a shared savings model between the employee and the employer. That employee did all the work. They're the ones who found out. They voted with their feet. They did the right thing. They generated the cost savings. The employer is benefiting from lower claims costs. And we offer the program and share a portion of those savings back uh, to that consumer for doing the right thing and, and taking charge in their healthcare decision. Got it. So, so really, you're aligning the incentive. You're aligning the incentives between the employee or the consumer and the the payer, uh, the ultimate payer of healthcare, which is the employer. Absolutely right. Got it. So, so tell me, what services does this apply to? Is is it inpatient, outpatient, professional, <laughs> all all three of those? Uh, yeah, it, it's across the spectrum. Uh, for some of our clients, we may have 200 plus services that we are. Uh, shopping for them and their employees and their families, spending everything from routine services like lab tests. So you Mm -hmm. go and have uh, a blood draw done, regardless of what the lab test is. If you're using an independent lab, it's going to be significantly uh, lower cost than if you're using a hospital-based lab. So on the low end, things like lab services, we see a significant uh, savings opportunity and results and activity on uh, preventive services. So things like colonoscopies, mammography, bone density scans, all the way through high-cost imaging, outpatient surgery, knee surgery, shoulder surgery, hernia repair, carpal tunnel, cataract, the typical outpatient surgery, all the way up to select inpatient procedures, including hip replacement, knee replacement, spine surgery, those types of services as well. What's got employers uh, most nervous these days, and in my opinion, is that specialty pharma spent. So we have mm-hmm. uh, services focused on uh, specialty infusion drugs. Uh, drugs like Remicade is an example. We had one patient who was going to the hospital. It was $22,000 per infusion allowed amount, guided that individual uh, consumer to an outpatient infusion site where it's $3,500 all in. So she earned north of $3,000 last year in rewards, but she saved her employer uh, north of $180,000 in claim savings. So that's pretty typical of the type of model we're talking about. You're obviously not going to get that much savings on every single thing, but that gives you a view into some of the economic uh, behind what we do. But it's it's a list of services. We know with 99% certainty whether it is benefit design, industry, income level, age, gender, regardless of 
who the consumer is, they're still in the early stages of, of truly understanding that they can and should shop for their healthcare. So even though we have 200 services available, we see a lot of activity in, in kind of a core 20, almost across the spectrum of our clients. And they range everywhere from public to private to large to small. Got it. Got it. And you, know, you, you mentioned sort of the, the, uh, the specialty infusion drug example there. Uh, what about other prescription drugs? Have you, have, is that included in what you do or, or not yet at this point? Yeah, so really the, the Smart Shopper program offered through Vitals is really about site of care or location based. So mm-hmm. it depends on the, the underlying mechanics and, and cost economics for those types of services. So take an infusion like Remicade. Uh, same drug is being administered in different settings. You can either be in a hospital-based infusion site mm-hmm. or you can be outpatient, uh, doctor's office, or even home infusion. So same drug, exact same quality, same outcome, everything's the same. The only thing different is where you're having that done and that's what's driving the cost. So we are continuing to work with our clients, whether they're health plans or large employers, looking for specific drugs and drug classes that fit that model uh, where we can guide them to alternatives. So SmartShopper is not trying to dissuade you from having a service. If, if you and your doctor think that that's the right service for you, we're simply sure. trying to find you the best value, the best buy uh, in your area among your options that are in network providers. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so to be able to, to do what you guys are doing, you obviously need good data for, for this to work. So how, <laughs> right? So and, and Absolutely. I, and I know that that can be challenging. So, so how are you getting the underlying pricing data on the services you compare? Are you getting it straight from the carrier or TPA, or do you have your own separate cost database? Uh, you know where you're, um, you know, getting the the historical data. It's really a mix depending on the market. So, our our preferred method to, to operate our program and to do it right and to do it accurately, you need to have, as you mentioned, Michael, the best information available, and that information resides with the health plan or the TPA. And so traditionally, we work with the health plan or TPA to utilize all that data so that we can then ingest that into our program to allow us to operate the program on behalf of their clients and their membership. So really, our health plan strategy is to work with the health plans to allow them to bring the program to market with our team. Mm-hmm which allows us to have the best information, the, the most accurate information available. Where we don't have a health plan partnership uh, in select markets, then we do have the ability uh, to offer the program utilizing that kind of separate national data set. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit more about the incentive piece. I thought the, the Remicade example you just gave was great, um, but let's talk about the mechanics of that. Um, Sure. Is it, how do you get to, to what the savings is? Uh, I guess, you know, what's, what's the baseline? Um, and, and is it a flat dollar amount? Um, you know, talk to me about, about the incentive here. Sure. So we've been operating the Smart Shopper program for a little over seven and a half years now with, with live customers. So we've got really rich data on, on what we know is going to move the needle, what our consumers uh, want, what they think is appropriate in terms of rewards. So there's a lot of learning and analytics that go into what is then presented to the consumer as a, a very simplified uh, experience. So behind the scenes, when we bring a new client on board or, or enter a new market, we take a look at the underlying cost within that market. So what does the cost vary? What does the cost spread look like? What are the options available? How many are there? And so for a service to qualify on the Smart Shopper program, 
there needs to be enough choice. So in other words, a really obscure medical services that might only be provided in one or two places, that's not a fit for a smart shopper. Likewise, the uh, PCP office visit, a $7 difference between one PCP and another, that's not enough to really uh, tie an incentive to. So we look at things that have choices that are uh, elective, so you know about them in advance. This is not urgent care. This mm-hmm. is, or emergency care, this is things you know about and have time to uh, do some research and, and shop. And then ultimately, there has to be enough cost variation between those choices to allow us to generate savings and fund the incentive board. So when we look at our clients, we do a pre-sale analytic for clients that are coming on board. We take their 12 months claims data and say, hey, if you were on the Smart Shopper program through Vitals, here's what you could potentially have saved. So we typically see north of 85% of consumers are going to a higher cost location when a lower cost option is available. And it's simply because either they don't know, they don't feel like they want to challenge their doctor, or there really has been no incentive for them to care. Back to the credit card analogy, if you're not paying for it, what do you care about the cost? And so behind the scenes, what we do is we take all that analytics and all that data and we develop an incentive design strategy uh, tailored to that particular market or client. And so we offer what we call a, uh, a flat-leveled incentive, which means you have a number of different options. So Americans like choice. You go to the gas station, you see three levels uh, of gas that you can choose from that have different price points. Same concept that we're bringing uh, to healthcare transparency. So as Americans, we do understand how to behave like a consumer. We just don't understand how to apply that to healthcare. And so mm-hmm. we take all of the behavioral economic principles, all the learnings that we have, and we bring that to consumers. So if you are shopping for an MRI, as an example, we'll tell you right up front, hey, you could qualify for either $150 reward, a $75 reward, a $50 reward, as an example. So you have three options. We take your options that are in network, in your area, based on where you live, where you work, where you want to shop for that healthcare service. And then we apply those incentives based on your personalized result set. And so this is not the type of model where you can gross up or down your incentive. You can't disqualify yourself from an incentive. It is a really pure um, model in which consumers, you're building their trust when you're starting off in the program. So when you see material from us says how you can earn $150 reward, when you shop with us, you're absolutely going to see $150 uh, opportunities available to you that are within a reasonable distance of, of where you're shopping. And so we take that data, we present it in a very easy to understand. Here's the list of services. Here's what the incentives are that you qualify. All you have to do is shop. And then we have to see that you went to a reward location or a uh, a location that qualifies for a reward under vitals. And that's how we generate the incentive. So you have to shop. You have to go. We have to see that in the claims to be able to measure that behavior change. And if we see those two things, then we issue you a check in the mail. So we're uh, cutting incentive reward checks to our uh, consumers that shop with us on a weekly basis because we're trying to reward that event as close to a teachable moment as possible. So you shop with us, you chose the option that was going to be $150 reward. We see the claim, we send you a check for $150. Behind the scenes, you just generated savings and there are ROI um, algorithms that we use to apply to basically, basically be able to report our success back to uh, our, our ultimate clients that are paying for that service. Got it. And so what's the timing on that? There's a data service that's the first of the month. Mm-hmm. And when are you actually getting the information such that you can send the incentive check out? So these days, uh, providers want to get paid quickly. And for most of the services that are on our list, things like mammography or MRI or colonoscopies, they are 
they are not commoditized, but they're fairly routine. Yeah. And so they are billed. Most of the time, they're probably going through an auto adjudication uh, engine at the health insurance company to get paid uh, anyway. So they are billed quickly. They are uh, adjudicated quickly. They're paid quickly. And once it's a paid claim, then it comes over to us. So we are on average. So we're, we're doing incentive of award checks weekly based on uh, direct feeds from our health plan clients that we work with. Mm-hmm. And so we are returning incentive award. Usually it's averaging around 22 days from the actual data service. So you went in, you had an MRI. On average, you would expect to check in your mailbox from us uh, 22 days later. So really quick good. response. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, as good as you can get it without real-time information. What we find interesting is that we will have consumers that will walk out of the MRI and they'll pick up the phone and call us and say, hey, when can I expect my checks? So they are trained <laughs> as consumers. And that's exactly the right behavior that you want. Yeah. And we yeah. try to reward them as, as quickly as possible. So we, we do it quickly. Uh, we do it efficiently. And we really see great results when we can tie those things together. When a consumer takes an action and they see that reward uh, very quickly, they will continue to do the service. And what we love is they'll tell all their buddies. And so we see a significant amount of repeat shopping for people that will love the service and they'll go evangelize it among their other uh, population, whether it's their coworkers or their family members. That's the exact type of behavior that we're looking for. Beautiful. And so the, the employer is obviously funding the incentive pool. And so, you know, from a logistics standpoint, you know, you guys just have mm-hmm. a, a, a funding account with them. Um, and yep. then at, and you're drawing from that to pay out the incentives, right? Correct. Okay, perfect. And, and let's talk about taxability here. So is the, <laughs> the check taxable, um, to the employee? And, and I guess let's think about two situations. Let's think about a situation where somebody has a health savings account, you know, along, mm-hmm. alongside a high deductible plan. And then, you know, the scenario where they're just on a, uh, a regular PPO plan. Sure. So Good question. Exactly the right way to, to think about it in terms of taxability. So if you have, we can monetize the reward in a number of different ways, whether it's an HSA deposit or a gift card. Most of our clients prefer cash incentives because it simply just motivates like no other mechanism yeah. out there. So even though we offer a, a variety of ways to reward, the vast majority of our, our clients say, you know what, that, that check uh, is a teachable moment. Nothing motivates like cash. So mm-hmm. if we're depositing it into an HSA, there that may not be considered taxable. But for most of our clients that may not have an HSA or may, may not be going down that funding mechanism, it absolutely is taxable in the way that we handle that. We do all of the administrative work uh, on behalf of our clients. So at the end of the year, if you qualified for over $600 or more in terms of rewards over the calendar year, then we'll issue the 1099. So we can either, either do a 1099, we can do a W-2. We're pretty flexible in terms of the reward and the reporting, but for your uh, audience, really, we are taking on that administrative burden. Our employer clients don't need to worry about it. As you mentioned, we work out the funding mechanism uh, through that account. We're drawing down that account as we're paying out rewards. At the end of the year, uh, we we provide back uh, to those individuals uh, either a text letter just saying, hey, here's how much qualified for, or if you've gone over that amount, we'll uh, issue a 1099 so you can claim it on your actual taxes. Or if you are choose, uh, if you're an employer that chooses or prefers a W-2 option, we can provide that information as well if you want to run through your payroll. Okay. So from an employer standpoint, you know, I can, I can see how this would be compelling um, mm-hmm. you know, just given the, the cost savings. Um, for employees, you know, um, I can imagine that some people would hop right on it, you know, being natural <laughs> shoppers and maybe others, you know, not 
maybe others are slower to adopt. So when you look at your, your yeah. book of business, what percentage of people, when you roll this out to an employer health plan, you know, what percentage of people are typically shopping for services? And when people are shopping, you know, what percentage of those folks are actually choosing lower cost options? Yeah. So w- when we look at any population, so just take any population that has uh, health insurance. Let's take a, a large employer as an example. So they've got an employee population. Uh, in our data, roughly speaking, you know, 30% of people either don't go see their doctor at all, or they might just go for routine, basic office visit type services. So that 30% really doesn't have a reason to care either because they haven't gone seen the doctor or it's just really small ticket stuff, just uh, an annual physical checkup. So that 30% really, they're out of the picture because it's not a fit uh, for them. We know that there's 30% of the population, no matter what you do uh, to them or for them, they are not going to shop just because they are going to be either really late adopters or they're just not going to get on board. So we've got that 40% in the middle. Those are the people that are willing to shop, willing to engage. And the question is, how effective can we be with that 40%? So with a program like Smart Shopper Through Vitals, what you have is those that engage, we see a 60%, 67% shopping rate. We look at our book of business across all of our clients, and we talk about the mix uh, later on in, in the, the program. But when you look at people that engage with us, 67% of them will shop and 62% of them will actually convert, meaning they will shop, they'll like what they see, and they'll actually go to a location that would qualify for reward. So when you translate that down to the actual dollars for every reward that we send out, so we always take the cost of the incentive out when we report anything back to our clients. For every check we send out, we're saving our client on average $625. Again, that is a average across uh, that spectrum of services that we talked about. We may save $13,000 on hip replacement. We may save $200 on a lab test. But when we look at those across the spectrum, for every check we send out, we're returning savings on average of $625. The average incentive that the consumer earns, and again, this is average across those list of services, anywhere from $750 to $500 for uh, an individual reward down to $25 for things like uh, bone density or, or lab services. Sure. Uh, the average incentive reward uh, last year in our book of business was running around $87. So it gives you a view in terms of how much of the reward is actually shared back to the consumer. So $87 goes to the consumer and $625 in savings goes to the employer. It's a pretty good ratio. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You know, we've had a really successful, um, really successful program. One thing I think your audience would be interested in is this is not just the type of program for really high deductibles. Obviously, in the industry and transparency in general, the idea was if you built a tool, they would come. What we know is that they don't come. You've got to go find them. And so that's really what the reward is designed to do, is really get people to pay attention, stop, ask questions, make a phone call, go online, shop mobile, take charge of their healthcare purchasing decision. And they're the ones who's doing all the work, so they should qualify for rewards. So that's the model. But our program is successful across a full spectrum, everywhere from public employees, state employees that have little to no deductible or co-insurance. So back to the example yeah. of a, a credit card, you know, our first three clients were the local city schools and state employees, all of which at the time had no deductible, no co-insurance. I mean, these people could care less about cost. And it's just the way that the design was built. Really successful program for those clients. They're still with us having great success seven and a half years later. So it's a testament to even in situations where a lot of cost is not exposed to the member, 
really successful program, all the way up through high deductible uh, offerings where you have individuals that might be on a $5,000 individual, $10,000 deductible family plan. Obviously, they have more skin in the game, but still treating them as someone who needs to be more educated, informed, training them to be a consumer, that reward still gets them to um, handle that financial responsibility more effectively. So a lot of employers, as costs have gone up, have had to shift a lot of that cost uh, onto employees and their families. They're not happy about it, but a program like Smart Shopper at least gives those companies the opportunity to bring something to their employees, say, you know, unfortunately, we had to change some cost sharing, but this at least gives you the opportunity to handle that new financial burden. And your cost may have gone up. But in reality, with the reward component, you could earn back those additional costs and still put money back in your pocket. So really, right. it works across the spectrum uh, mm-hmm. in terms of benefit design, uh, in terms of geography. We have public employers, we have private employers, we have union clients. So it really does work across that spectrum. Got it. Now, um, you know, this is this is a voluntary program. So, you know, the financial impact for an employer really depends on on the utilization. So, yeah. you know, how are you marketing this to employees? Um, you know, and, and, and how, how does an employee engage with the tool? And is it online? Is it mobile? Uh, is it a phone call? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we get asked that question all the time. You know, we, we have clients that are seeing a 14 to 1 ROI, which is, you know, unheard of. And, and we can show that, demonstrate that. Uh, people always say, well, how do I get to those numbers? And like we talked about, it's not about benefit design. It is not about income level, industry, geography. The secret sauce is how much are we collectively willing to do in communication and engagement activities and strategy to get people to pay attention. That is the single largest predictor of how successful a program that you're going to have. And so we know just having a tool, just having a website is not going to get anyone the results that they're looking for. And so we spend a significant amount of time and energy in working with our clients, developing an engagement communication strategy. So as we are training people to behave like consumers, it's kind of like buying a car. You don't necessarily do this all the time. At some point in time, you realize, you know, I need to go shop. Same type of thing in healthcare. You don't know when your next MRI is coming. You might. But most of the time, you have a need and we need to be top of mind there to help you in that time of need to shop and help you through the process. So you can shop with us online, you can shop with us mobile, Mm -hmm. or you can shop with us through our personal assistant team, which is high-touch concierge telephonic shopping. What's interesting is even in studies where people say, how would you like to be communicated about your health insurance? Even people that say, you know, 97% of people said, I, I, don't, I don't want anyone to call me on my healthcare. I would rather just be a digital-only consumer, right? So they're saying, I, I don't want anyone, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want anyone talking to me. Don't call me. Uh, I'm just going to go online and, and handle this myself. Well, I'm just going to say, asked, I, I'm just going to say right now, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, here, yeah, so here's, what's, here's what's interesting is when you actually ask them, would you like to be able to speak to someone about your healthcare? Even those people that said, yeah, I'm digital only, 92% of them say, oh, I'd actually like to talk to someone if I needed it. So even though they say, I want tools, I want online, they would rather pick up the phone because healthcare is complicated. Uh, yeah. And to be candid, you're not feeling great, right? If you're having a service on the list, you're not in the best mood. And so you want someone to guide and help you. And so really that personal assistant team, that telephonic uh, channel for us is a significant volume of activity, um, you know, really uh, high customer satisfaction, high touch, and also 
as you'd imagine, translates into really high savings. So we actually see twice the conversion rate for people that pick up the phone and talk to our personal assistant team as we do people that just go self-service online. So it makes sense when you think about it in that context, but all the focus has been on really how how great is your tool, but we know within your population, the vast majority of your people are actually going to pick up the phone and call us. And that's exactly what we want. So either we're going to call you or you're going to call us and we're there to help you through the whole process. We will help you schedule. We'll help you cancel appointment, reschedule a new appointment. We'll give you information on what you need to know. So that, that high touch service is a critical aspect, uh, not only to a program like Smart Shopper, but in my opinion, to any engagement style program. Really giving people the ability to talk to a live human is critical uh, to getting to the types of numbers that we talk about. Well, that, that makes 100% sense as a consumer. I mean, I want the easy button. And oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes the easy button is not necessarily, you know, using, you know, a mobile app, you know, for me, you know, oftentimes I just want to talk to somebody yeah. and have them do it for me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Got it. So, and so, okay. so when, we, when we talk about that engagement strategy, uh, what we're trying to do is touch consumers probably eight to 10 times over the course of the year. So a, a program like Vital Smart Shopper, and to be candid, along with any other program that your uh, employee clients may be implementing, whether it's wellness or HSA or even just health insurance in general, understanding your benefits, y- you've got to continually talk to them and it's got to be multi-channel. So it's got to, they're going to hear the message multiple times. It's got to come in a number of different ways because you're not exactly sure which one's going to be the most effective. So that engagement strategy, that communication strategy, we sit down with our clients and say, here's what 12 months worth of communication and activity and strategies will look like. So that takes the form of everything from a uh, home mailing, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're targeting the spouse in the home because they're making the uh, the medical decisions for the family. They're the ones who are the chief medical officer in the home. And so they are yep. the ones who really are ultimately our target audience for Smart Shopper because we want them to understand, activate, engage, and understand how the program works. We want them to shop for their family. So in the beginning, it can be... Um, on-site during open enrollment, information in your open enrollment, uh, information specifically about the program, home mailings, workplace materials. And then over time, we're shifting once we are live uh, into more targeted types of services. So we see, for example, that you had a lab service at the hospital when you could have gone to an independent lab. Uh, We refer to that as you could have had a V8. So because we have claims data, And because Mm -hmm. we have eligibility data, we know a lot about the consumer. And Mm -hmm. so we can target and tailor those messages. So we will send a message out saying, hey, you could have qualified for a reward and you could have saved yourself money if you had remembered to use the program. So everything from retroactive, you could have had a V8 to you are 49 turning 50. You probably haven't thought about having a colonoscopy. You probably don't want to think about having a colonoscopy, but you should be talking to your doctor about that. So proactively getting you to shop so you can walk into your doctor and say, hey, can you recommend a gastroenterologist who can uh, perform that procedure over here at the local ambulatory surgery center because I've got the Smart Shopper program and I could qualify for a $250 reward. So getting that consumer to guide their care in that manner, all the different types of activities, whether it's mailing, email, video, text, an outbound phone call from someone on our personal assistant team or an inbound phone call uh, into our personal assistant team. All of those channels we deploy uh, and tailor effectively to get those consumers to use it. So just in summary, that communication and engagement strategy, that is the secret sauce. The more effort that we and our clients put in to that individual uh, part of the implementation and the program, 
that will absolutely pay off in terms of savings and uptake, uh, both for the employees and their families, as well as for that employer client. Got it. Makes sense. Now, when you guys are directing employees to providers, you know, obviously there's the cost mm-hmm. component. Is there a quality filter as well for, for selecting appropriate providers? And if so, how are you measuring quality? Yeah, absolutely. So qu- quality in healthcare uh, is one of those items that uh, is hard to define. So we sure. define it for our consumers based on what you're shopping. So to give an example, there are quality measures that say if you uh, show up in the emergency room complaining of chest pain, what percentage of the time did someone in that hospital system give you an aspirin within 30 minutes of showing up? Really great quality measure if you're having a heart attack, but if you're shopping a colonoscopy, totally irrelevant to what it is you're looking at. So we calibrate the quality based on the service. And in some cases, like lab services, like a blood draw, there really is no quality measure. There there is no industry agreed upon quality measure for uh, the blood draw. You just hope that they... um, the appointment's on time and that the phlebotomist actually, uh, you know, gets your vein the first time for your blood job. Sure. But if you are shopping hip replacement, there are quality measures. You want to know readmission rate of other people in that system that have had hip replacement. Where we're, where Vitals brings in additional value into that quality discussion. So Vitals has a, a company that's been around since 2009. We offer a number of different product lines. So today we're focused on Smart Shopper, which is the rewards-based transparency. We mm-hmm. also do cost and quality transparency tools for uh, over 30 different health plans across the country. So think of it as the Intel inside. You go into that health plan portal. Vitals actually powers all of that with our data uh, and tools. We also have vitals.com where you can go online and and check out doctors, uh, see patient reviews, and leave patient reviews. That patient review piece is critical because really, we'll show cost, we'll show quality. But what consumers are really asking for is what are other people like me doing when it comes to shopping for healthcare? And so they want to know how many other people have gone here and what have they had to say. So that's where those patient reviews and information on how many other people went there, that is where we think the industry should be headed. That's certainly where we're headed. So if you're shopping for a hip replacement, you want to know know, how much is it going to cost to to be candid with your benefit design, you're going to max out whatever your cost sharing is. So cost really isn't a big concern of yours. It's good that you're going to get a reward back in your pocket. That's helpful. You want to know about quality. You want to know about... Uh, process of care metrics. You want to know about HCAP scores. You want to know uh, what other people have said about the uh, service provided by that individual location or provider. You also want to know well, how many other people have gone there and what have they had to say. I want to know that the place that I'm going for my hip replacement has uh, can qualify me for a $500 award, has really high quality measures among the best in its peer group. And I want to know that 37 other people have gone there and they've given it a five-star rating. That, in our opinion, is really what the market needs. And that's what we're bringing to the market is really helping that individual consumer make that personalized healthcare decision. Let's just say they were already planning on going to the low-cost provider for a service. Do they still get an incentive? Yes. So our our model for Vital Smart Shopper program we to our employer clients, we offer either a fixed price or in uh, certain cases, we offer a percentage of, of savings because the market has been burned by um, other programs in the past. And so they really are demanding performance guarantees. We're yeah. completely fine with that. And so we say if that's the model that you want to pursue, then a percentage of savings model is the, the ultimate performance guarantee, which is we're only going to be successful if you're saving money. And so in that scenario, if you're going to bring that style of uh, 
offering and pricing to the market, you've got to be able to back it up. So we've been offering uh, a shared savings model uh, since the beginning, you know, seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to prove our, MR, our ROI methodology. So in that example, if a consumer happens to be going to the right place, they didn't know it at the time, they shop with us, you shouldn't penalize that consumer for doing the right thing, which is shopping the healthcare. So even in that scenario, if you identify that you're going to the right place, you still qualify for that full incentive reward because we know you're going to like it. You're going to tell your buddies about it and you're going to shop something else next time where you may not be going to that right location. So we're rewarding the engagement. In our ROI calculation, though, we did not save our employer client any money. Actually, we cost them money because the amount of the reward. So we net that as a negative. Let's say it was $150 reward in our reporting, that individual consumer and their savings transaction, we say, it's a negative 150 in our ROI calculation. We report that back to our clients. So very pure, and you have to be that way if you're going to be operating uh, in that percentage of savings model. And we really don't have a preference. It, we leave it up to the client. So there's fixed price option, there's percentage of savings option, whichever you prefer. Some of our clients prefer to be able to uh, budget it. They don't want something that's going to be variable. Some will say, if your program's so good, are you willing to put your fees at risk? And we say, sure, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about that because that that is is not something that's common in um, in the health insurance industry today. I mean, you, <laughs> that is true. It's unfortunate, just, but that is true. Yeah, you, you just don't. There's not a lot of accountability for performance yeah. and and accountability for actually lowering costs. So 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 tell tell the audience a little bit about you know um, how you structure um, you know the performance guarantee. Sure. So. For clients that uh, you're right, and, and in our experience, there have been a lot of programs that have that have come before, whether they're transparency or not, that have have not proven an ROI. And any ROI numbers they're talking about are soft at best. And mm-hmm. so we, we're a transparency company, so we have to show it. We have to be highly transparent in exactly how we derive um, our savings and ultimately how we get paid and, and earn our keep for the savings in the the program that we're offering. And so. Because we are getting ongoing claims data, right? We, we verified that behavior change. So people always say, well, how do you know where someone was going to go? We simply say, we ask them. So when you shop with us, we ask you where you're headed. Again, it won't impact or disqualify you from earning a reward. So you'll just tell us where you were headed because you have. No, there's no way you can game the system. It's built in credibility and trust, which American consumers demand. And so for every reward check that we are sending out, Based on verified behavior change with the claim, we are running that through a savings calculation. And then on a monthly basis, we're reporting that back to our clients. So our reporting that we provide uh, is really uh, in-depth. We are looking at, uh, within the population, metrics like what percentage of your uh, population is shopping based on age category, uh, who's shopping, you know, how old are they, where do they live, uh, what are they shopping for. So when you look at our data, the people that are consuming most of the services on our list are probably 45 to 65. So we want to see numbers that are high in shopping in that particular demographic because those are the people that are having uh, knee replacements, colonoscopies, yep. MRIs. They're consuming most of the healthcare dollars. So we want that population highly, highly engaged. To say it differently, your young 22-year-old is really not your claims problem. It's right. your uh, you know older demographic that is consuming those healthcare services. So in our data, we want to see you know, 70 plus percent of the people that are shopping in that 46 to 65 age demographic. We know that females shop more frequently than males. Part of that is because we're targeting, in many cases, the spouse in the home who's shopping for the family. 
And so we want to see, we typically see usually around 60 plus percent of our overall shopping is actually uh, female. We're looking at specific services that they're shopping for. So how many colonoscopies were rendered over the time period? How many of those were shopped? How many people acted on it? What's the savings? Um, how many reward checks did we send out? What was the incentive spend? And what a lot of our uh, clients uh, like about a, a program like ours and our reporting capability is we say, hey, we moved 30% of your colonoscopies, but that left 70% as future savings for the program. So here's how much money you left on the table by not getting 100% compliance. So we work in a consultative manner with our clients to, to go through that detail and to say, hey, this was the communication engagement strategy that we agreed upon on launch. But as we're looking at the data, we may want to consider a more targeted approach on colonoscopies, as an example, because we are leaving some money on the table there. Let's talk about strategies to better reach that population. And they may fit it into an overall wellness story that they've got. You know, A lot of our clients, particularly our larger size clients, they've invested in a number of different programs. And so we'll work with them to help weave Smart Shopper into the overall story because it really is financial wellness for your employees. It's helping them with the cost of healthcare. So we provide excruciating detail yeah. in terms of you know savings. And we sit down with our clients and, and we can walk them through exactly um, how that works. So you're absolutely right. More programs should really be accountable in generating savings. I mean, that's really what we're about. Uh, to the early part of our conversation, we've got really good healthcare, we just can't afford it. And so we've got to help people find ways to afford it. What's interesting, and what when we first started the company, we, we knew we would be successful in terms of getting consumers to shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that we would generate savings just on the, the, the economics and just bringing basic economic, behavioral economic principles to healthcare. What we didn't anticipate was actually the provider reaction. And so that's what's been uh, the most interesting for me over my career with Smart Shop is actually seeing the provider community react to a program like Smart Shop. And, and so, so, so what what has the provider community reaction been? Sure. So if you to start it off, if you think about the old days, if no one cared about cost, what was the point of being a cost efficient provider? So if <laughs> if you're that four hundred dollar MRI provider, but no one cares about cost and finds out what what's the reward for you doing the right thing uh, for your uh, patients. There really wasn't. The, the incentives weren't aligned and those cost-efficient providers weren't really being rewarded. What should happen under any other economic market is volume should flow to that place that's high quality, provides a better service for a fraction of the price. That's just the way economics work. Yep. It wasn't working that way in healthcare. And so as we started exposing the cost and the information and the quality, to our consumers, they would say, well, why is it that the hospital is 800% higher than the imaging center down the street? They would then turn around and go ask their doctor. That was fascinating. So if you are a doctor, number one, you probably don't know what things cost either. And so when someone comes in, when a patient comes into your office and says, uh, you know, hey, doc, just want to let you know, you had scheduled me for an MRI. I may be on a high deductible plan that was going to cost me $4,000 out, po- out of pocket. There's actually a $400 option down the street. Why did you recommend me to that place that was going to cost me that much money? Those are the types of conversations that we see happening. And so now more and more of the patient, or more and more of the doctor and the provider community understand that there's a huge financial commitment now on behalf of their patients. And so they're starting to engage and ask, well, why is it that that cost structure uh, behaves that way? And so in each of our markets, we see providers kind of split one of three ways. Mm-hmm. So if you are 
a cost-efficient provider. You're that $400 MRI provider. You provide a really high-quality service for a fraction of the cost. You love a program like Smart Shopper because now all of a sudden, you're getting more patients coming through your door because we have helped guide them there. So they love it. They say stuff like, hey, can I advertise that I'm a Vital Smart Shopper certified uh, cost-efficient provider? And we say, no. Uh, You may be for MRIs, but you might not be for CAT scans. Um, (laughs) Then you've got a, a group of providers in the middle right? They are not the most cost efficient. They're not the best value, but they are certainly not the worst. And they have a decision to make. They can either be comfortable with being in the middle, but a lot of them now are coming back saying, you know what? If I lower my rates, I'm going to get more patient volume. And so they are willing to actually lower their prices in order to gain more volume. Uh, so we've seen that whether it's for MRIs or outpatient surgery centers. I'll give you an example on, on Remicade uh, in a minute. The third and final are the really high cost providers. They don't love a program like Smart Shopper because we are exposing the fact that they are $4,000 for the exact same MRI. They may not love it, but that was the prices that they negotiated with the health insurance company. They have said, we can't afford to operate unless we get $4,000 for an MRI. And so we are guiding people out of those really high cost locations into more high value cost efficient providers. So to give you a kind of macro example of how that plays out, mm-hmm. you take Remicade. We gave you the example before, $22,000 allowed amount for an infusion. So Remicade, uh, infusible specialty drug used to treat things like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, Crohn's disease. So a high cost uh, drug in and of itself. But the hospital systems were taking the drug and marketing it up two, three, four, five, six hundred percent. So you end up with $22,000 per infusion. And patients usually go every four to eight weeks, depending on their treatment regimen. So once mm-hmm. they go, they are going to continue to go. Right. So $22,000 uh, a lot of them. And so we actually worked with the, the health plan in this particular market because they were trying to find more providers uh, who would serve as outpatient independent infusion sites. And so the provider community was saying, you know, I'm willing to make that investment, but I need to know that there's some volume coming my way. Mm-hmm. And the insurance company would say, well, we can't really do anything from a benefit design. Uh, and this was a few years ago. So they were in a chicken and egg situation. And we said, well, why don't we put Remicade uh, on the list? So in a geographic market that was, I want to say, 87, 88% of infusions were being done in, in the hospital setting. So just wildly off the charts, really high cost hospital-based infusion. Yep. Within two years, we had nine physicians that came to the insurance company and said, we'll be uh, an outpatient infusion site. And so we'll accept outside patients and we'll become that outpatient site of care option for you, as well as three home health care providers, home infusion providers entered the market. So you went from no competition to now our consumers in that market have 12 different options that they can choose from. And so when you look at the data, it's moved from 87, 89%. I think it's close to down to under 60 at this point in time. So a significant shift of individuals that are high dollar, high savings folks. So again, that one example of that patient, she was actually featured on NBC Nightly News. If your audience hasn't checked it out, it's really an interesting story. If you Google Vital Smart Shop or NBC News, it'll actually interview one of our uh, consumers who is a patient on Remicade and talk about uh, her story. So she saved a significant amount of money for her self-funded employer. In return, she earned $3,000 in incentives in the course of a year because she's saving that much money simply by going to a high quality, and she would say better quality, uh, better care option 
for the service that she needs. So the provider community and, and the reaction, again, is bringing economic principles that exist in all other markets uh, you know, in this country, bringing that to healthcare. We are seeing those same types uh, of outcomes. Obviously, we'll get consumers to pay attention. You know, our consumers love us. We have 97% of people say they'd recommend the service to a colleague or friend. You know, they love it. Our employer clients love it because they're saving money without taking anything away from their employees. So this can sit along any benefit design. It's a really great way to help. Uh, And then ultimately, the provider community is reacting. And in many cases, they're saying that we do need to be more competitive. And so we are willing to either expand our practice, uh, accept new patients, or lower our overall pricing in order to to get that portion of the volume that's out there. That's great. So I want to, I want to hammer home just one, one point uh, with our audience here, you know, based on, on the narrative you've just described, you know, any, any provider network that's out there absent a tool like this really protects the status quo. It really protects the notion of price inefficiency and waste that's out there and that drives higher costs. And so for, for any employer who wants to lower costs, relying on a provider network is a lose-lose strategy. And I, and I think you've, <laughs> you've you know, very, um, you know, done a very good job of, of articulating how you know, there needs to actually be another um, tool for an employer to use to be able to drive out waste in the system because it's simply not going to happen on its own. Very well said and, and very true. So th- having a network... Uh, is one thing getting people to use the highest value providers in the network. That's really what's going to generate those savings. And what's going on in in healthcare is that the conversations happen between the insurance company and the provider community, and the consumers never had a seat at the table. That's shifting. That's changing as more and more costs and financial responsibilities being put on that employee and their family. The costs just continue to go up. So they now have a seat at the table, and we help bring them to the table through a program like Vital Smart Chopper. We we understand that employees, they are a consumer of healthcare. In a lot of cases, they are a payer of healthcare these days because the, the uh, cost sharings continue to gone up. Yep. And so what we're doing is helping them you know, take that power that they now have and apply it in a way that is going to drive waste out of the system, getting people to be accountable for the prices that they have and the services that they provide. And as consumers, again, we, we don't have a healthcare problem. We have a healthcare cost problem. So anything that we can do and others in the industry to help activate consumers, you know, mobilize that consumer army, they are a huge uh, untapped bargaining resource in terms of bringing basic economics to the market. Anything we can do to get those consumers kind of armed and ready to navigate the system and drive waste out is absolutely something that we're focused on. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I want to be <clears throat> respective of, of your time here. We're just over the hour here. Um, Rob, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? Well, that, that alone was a good question. Let me, let me think about that. So, <laughs> you, you know, you, we've been very thorough in, in most of the, the questions that we uh, typically get asked um, out there. Uh, in the marketplace. We talked about the importance of uh, telephonic as an option. We talked about just having a tool isn't enough. We talked about the importance of reward. And we talked about really the the secret sauce is the amount of effort that we're going to put in collectively on that engagement and communication strategy to really get those members to really be retrained uh, as consumers. So, So the one question that you probably haven't asked would be, well, for your audience that's listening, they like the sound of, of what we're talking about. What is the best way 
to inquire about the Smart Shop program uh, for their audience. Which is actually my next question. So go ahead. Tell us. <laughs> sure. Uh, so again, you can always go on to vitals.com uh, and search under the site if you want to request a demo or, or put some information in and someone from our uh, team will certainly be in contact for those that had questions or uh, want to talk further about some of the topics that we've talked about. Again, my name's Rob Graybill. My email address at Vitals is rob, R-O-B dot Graybill, G-R-A-Y-B-I-L-L at Vitals.com. Absolutely send me an email. Uh, either this is really important, really passionate about this. So if you have questions and you want to talk further about it, happy to uh, continue to have the conversation. If you're interested in learning more about how Smart Shopper uh, through Vitals can be effective for your population, absolutely reach out. We're happy to have a conversation. And Michael, thank you again for the time. This has been great. You were you were extremely well prepped. You knew exactly what the, the major components are of not just a, a program like Smart Shopper, but obviously any type of engagement or program that your employer clients are going to be uh, evaluating and looking at. So again, appreciate the time. Great conversation. You bet. You bet. Well, on behalf of our listeners and myself, um, you know, thank you for taking time out of your schedules to join us. I think it's been a great discussion. And I think, uh, I think our audience and listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. To our, our listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please do subscribe to the podcast and share with any of your friends and colleagues who you think would enjoy the show. And with that, we will sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Vital Smart Shoppers website and contact information. Lastly, be sure to check out some of the free resources on our website, including our Health Plan Innovator Scorecard, where you can see just how innovative your health plan is. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.